Welcome to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's message. For more information, visit our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. All right, all right, all right. Listen, a lot going on in this season. You know, I was sending a message to some of my residents and realized there's so many different holidays, so many different religions observing all kinds of things right now. It's a really interesting time, okay? Uh, and so what, right now, we talk about it as being Palm Sunday, but it's also in the midst of Passover, all right? And Passover is spanning all the way up until Sunday the 4th, which is Resurrection Sunday. So that also encompasses Good Friday, all right? It encompasses Passion Week in, in a time period that Christians tend to pay a little bit more attention to, but now it's all overlapping. And then keep in mind, 50 days from Passover is not going to be Pentecost, and that's going to be in May. So all these dates, this is a very unique time, a very unique season. But I want to remind some Christians that this is the foundation of our faith. All too often, we're very focused on Christmas. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're so happy Jesus came, but he came to die. And this period of time, it's called Passion Week. It's an important period in our trajectory as Christians. And I dare say that if during this time you don't read your Bible, then you never read your Bible. If this time, the sacrifice of Jesus, if it means nothing to you, then the rest of the year, it really doesn't mean anything to you at all. I want to challenge us in this season, in this month, in this week. This is a good time. Get into the Gospels. Listen to the Gospels. Amen? Read about Passover. Some of you are going to start getting into the seven last words of Christ. That's good. That's okay. Let's think and read about the sacrifice of Jesus because this is the foundation of our faith. Somebody say foundation of my faith foundation of my faith. Amen. And so today is Palm Sunday, and I traditionally do a message on, you know, Palm Sunday and, and praising Jesus as he went into Jerusalem. And I actually take great delight in looking at that story and finding different dimensions and different ways uh, to, to really learn and to grow. And, and for years, I've been praying the Holy Spirit will let me preach about the donkey. It hasn't happened yet. This is even before Shrek came about, okay? Even before Shrek's donkey, I've been very intrigued with the donkey that carried Jesus. Probably thought it was all about him. And, and after watching Shrek, I could see how the donkey would think it was all about him, all right? But God will let me do that quite this year. We're going to look at another dimension, and we're going to focus a little bit more on Passover, all right? As opposed to Palm Sunday, but we'll tie it all together. So let's look at the book of Luke, chapter 22. Luke, chapter 22. And we're going to read from verse 7 all the way to 14. I'm going to ask it now because Pastor Fee always says it, and I might forget. Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah. 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 Virtual church, are you enjoying yourself? Yeah. All right. Luke chapter 22, verse 7 to 14. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to run very quickly. Jesus and his disciples prepare for the Passover. I'm reading from the New King James. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house, which he enters. Take note of that. We'll come back to that. That's our main text for today. Then you will say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Verse 12. 
Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There, make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, take note of this, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Amen. 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 The Lord bless his word. So let's talk about some background things. But you see right here that clearly this Passover meal was extremely important to Jesus. This particular meal was of great importance to him. And, and, and if you want to take just a little step back, just some quick run through about Passover itself and, and the things that it represented and the requirements that were made of them, a couple of things. In Exodus 12, when you look at this, they had to take time to remember that they were slaves. We often need to take time and remember where we came from because sometimes we don't lost our mind when things aren't going the way we want them to go and we suddenly forget who God is, come on, because we forgot what he brought us out from. You forgot your own testimony. You might need to pull your resume back out and remind yourself of the pit that you were in until Jesus saved you. Come on, remember you were slave. The other part of it was, <laughs> we're getting out of Egypt. There's something about Passover that involves getting out of the things that have, that have kept you bound. So as we think about Passover, it's not enough to say, oh, Passover, Passover, what are you getting out of? What kind of bondage are you breaking out of? Because that's what Passover requires. Amen. And, and then there was the lamb, the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread. I think of that more as meditation because they had to sit there and eat this. Eat it in haste, but still eat it. And it's an important part of the Passover today. Reflection, taking time to chew those bitter herbs and remind yourself of the bitterness of the past. Reflection. And then this fourth part, which is really important, tell the story. A few weeks ago, uh, Brother Ishmael was teaching the, the middle schoolers, and it was all about sharing the gospel message. And he had them develop it in a digital format and figure out how they can send it out to their friends. This is an important season in our lives, in our ministry, in Passover. We've got to tell our story. And, and the part of Passover for this was making sure that the next generation knows exactly what is going on. We caught Jesse yesterday and began to talk about what this means and what's Passover because we must hand this off to the next generation. Amen. And then the final part was the deliverance by the blood. Oh, somebody ought to say hallelujah, where the blood was put on the doorpost, and that's what brought them deliverance. And there was about to be a chaos on earth. As, as the people of God were delivered out of Egypt, there was about to be a shaking in the heavens and on the earth. Back then, in the days of Exodus, and I want to dare say, in that time period when Jesus was about to eat that Passover, because as we know, he was going to be the lamb. 
He was going to replace that lamb in the book of Exodus. And there was going to be a second quickening, a shaking on earth. And so Jesus has this fervency. Jesus has this issue. And and he's heavy because something is about to go down. Come on. And so what does he do? He sends Peter and John. I like those two. They remind me, Peter and John, Martha and Mary. So all you women who couldn't relate, because it was Peter and John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Peter was the worker. John was the worshiper. And when Jesus had something extremely important, he didn't send one or the other. He said both of them. What does that say to me, church? We got to get rid of these petty differences because everybody is necessary. Everybody's gift is needed. Everybody's weirdness. Come on. Somebody say, thank God for my weird. Thank God for my weird. Thank God for my weird. It's needed in the kingdom. I'm all kinds of weird, and I've come to like it. I will never preach like Pastor Fifi. I can't. I won't. I shouldn't. Every gift is needed. Every ability is needed. Every way of presenting the gospel is needed. Come on. He sent Peter, and he sent John. And guess what? They knew exactly what to do. They just didn't know where. And and I want to tell our brothers out there, um, because these two brothers went out and prepared the Passover feast, um, so all you brothers who say you can't cook, um, it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the word of God. Peter and John went and prepared the whole feast. All they needed to know from Jesus is, okay, we got this, but where do you want us to go? They wanted specific instruction and they asked of it. And then comes the cardinal text we're going to look at today because Jesus answers them when they ask him, well, where do you want us to go? They, he says to them in verse 10, And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. In these last few days, as I've been just listening to the Bible, just reading the different gospels, just just, uh, doing different things, I, I just couldn't get off of this scripture. No matter what I did, I mean, I've tried, I've tried to go in all kinds of directions with this message. I even tried the donkey thing, like I told you, but uh, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go down a donkey. And I just coming, kept coming back to this man, this man who was carrying a pitcher of water. And, and we see that at this critical time in Jesus's life. When he's looking and he's fervent and he's desiring this this particular Passover and he sends his two top men, Peter and John. But this whole story is still very dependent on two other people. One of them is the master of the household. Maybe that'll be another sermon. But today we see there's that other person, this man with a pitcher of water. And I want to talk about that today. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about the man? <laughs> and, and I don't want to imagine too many things, but I just want to stay within the context and see what we can glean just from that verse. So first of all, number one, he was a man. It was a man, not a boy, a man. The season requires men. The season requires maturity. The season requires that we have, hello, mature faith. Not that fake faith we've been walking around with, you know, talking all kinds of stuff because we haven't been through anything. Oh, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I used to say that, too. Oh, you didn't pray hard enough. You didn't do this hard until I prayed till I dropped and it still didn't happen. I said, okay, I guess that theology doesn't really work. It it is a season for maturity. And, And see, this man wasn't just a man. See, at that time, men didn't carry pitchers. They carried wineskins. 
It was very unusual to find a man carrying a pitcher. So he was mature enough to do something unusual. It takes maturity to exchange the usual for the unusual. Oh, this is real to us even right now. We've had to exchange the usual, walking around, hugging people, doing whatever we want, for the unusual of having to wear a mask, having to socially distance, having to do all kinds of things. And it takes a particular mindset to survive the unusual. Come on. Somebody say, he was a man, he was a man, he was a man. Don't you know everything we've been through, even as nations, it's been there to mature us and to mature our faith. See, that's why Paul can say, you know, when you go through trials, rejoice. Somebody say, I'm growing up, I'm growing up, I'm growing up. Amen? And I, I've got to wonder. I, I can't get it out of my mind because the Bible doesn't tell us. I mean, did he have a dream like Cornelius? I mean, had God revealed it to him? That, you know, you're going to carry this vision? Or did the master? Because the master, had, he had an in on it too, right? Because later on, when they, when they went into the house, the master was like, rule, the room's upstairs. So I don't know, did the master tell him, go into town and carry this picture? And don't worry about all those women laughing at you? I mean, I don't know. And I'm like wondering, how did this story play out? Either way, all I know is he did exactly what Jesus said he would do. Come on. He did precisely what Jesus said he would do. Maturity graduates us from the usual to the unusual. Maturity gets us in that position where we can and we will execute with exactness what God has mapped out for us. Some of you, you had a dream. Others of us, we didn't have no dream. But you're going to mark it out exactly because you're a mature believer. Come on. You're a mature son. You're a man. Somebody say, I'm the man. The little boy before, he's I'm the man. Hallelujah. He did exactly. Are you mature enough to do exactly? Come on. There's scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, 20. It says this, brethren, be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes. But in understanding, be mature. This has been our month of understanding. See how it all ties together? It's always beautiful when it all ties together. And then we understand why God has been saying what he's been saying to us. The Lord desires that we be mature in our understanding of these things. Amen. Jesus is looking for some men. Somebody say, man up, man up, man up, man up. I love that scripture where the Samaritan woman says, come see a man. And this is after she done been with so many men. She said, uh, those were not real men. Those were boys. I come see a real man. <laughs> a real man. Number two, he was carrying a pitcher. So the first point was that he was a man. The second point is that he was carrying a pitcher. And, and, and I want you to, to picture this scenario where he's carrying a pitcher, not just holding it, but carrying it. Thank you, Jesse. Carrying it, bearing it on the shoulder. See, I, I, we, we hear this phrase often, I'm holding on. What you holding on for? You're supposed to be carrying, not holding. Come on. And, and we'll talk about it in a minute, what it takes to hold a pitcher versus what it takes to carry the pitcher. 
And, and think about the part of the story. See, see, Jesus told them, the man will be coming towards you. That's why I had Jesse come towards me. But again, I don't know if he stopped and said, yo, it's me. Come on, man, let's go. I don't know how the story went. All I know is that he came up towards them and they went after him because that was their instruction. That's what they were told to do. They, he carried a pitcher, a vessel, a container. But can I dare say, because I know all your, your minds went to that scripture, go gather all the vessels, my oil is coming. And hey, I know that's where your mind went. <laughs> but can I dare say, the vessel is you. The vessel is you. What do you care? Who is this woman who shows up? Who is this man who walks into this situation? Who is this vessel? We, we often say whoever is preaching is the, the mighty vessel. We're all vessels. Come on. <laughs> we're all vessels. And we're to be carrying ourselves. And guess what? I love the fact that while we're carrying ourselves, his angels are carrying us. Remember Psalm 91. He sends his angels to bear us up so that our feet don't touch a stone. We are carrying a treasure according to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. Remember that? We have this treasure where? In earthen vessels. Why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. See, that's why my issues are so great. Because little issues I can handle. Oh, tell the truth. Y'all done solved some little problems here. You didn't even pray. You didn't even pray. You dealt with it. Some of our prayers, you know, Uncle Ishi, when we get our millions, some of the prayers, we wouldn't even pray them anymore. We can solve some problems on our own. All right? But this power is in us by God and not of our own accord. And that's why the issues are so big, because it's beyond us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed. I'm in 2 Corinthians 4. We are hard-pressed on every side. Anybody feel what I'm talking about? Everywhere you turn, there's an issue. This day, this person has died. The next day, somebody is infected. The next day, you've lost your job. The next day, you can't pay your bill. Hard-pressed on every side. Yet, not crushed. Somebody say, I'm still here. I'm still here. I am still here. Hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Oh, perplexed. Oh, I've been there. Oh, and recently, too, where you're just crying and frustrated. You're trying to figure it out. That perplexity in life because of different things you're trying to deal with. We've all been there. I'm not going to stand here and pretend my life is perfect because it isn't. We all deal with perplexity. But the scripture says we are perplexed but not in despair. When you're not in despair, that means you have some hope. It may feel horrible, all hell may be breaking loose, but you have some hope. Hallelujah. Verse 9, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Somebody say, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I am, I'm not out of this game. Hallelujah. It may indeed look like all hell is breaking loose, but you've got to carry yourself. You've got to carry this anointing. You can't change who you are because of the circumstances you're dealing with. This man, this man with the pitcher, he carried the pitcher. And that's who Jesus picked. Whew. 
at a time when Jesus was looking for someone reliable. At a time where there was a situation that the world was waiting on, Jesus picked a man who knew how to carry a pitcher and carry it on his shoulder. Amen, amen, amen. So we've talked about the man. We've talked about the fact that he was carrying this pitcher. Now let's talk about what was in the pitcher. (laughs) The pitcher had what in it? It had water. The pitcher was a pitcher full of water. Now, I've been holding this for a while because I wanted to illustrate to you that um, when the pitcher is empty, I can just hold it with my two fingers. When there's no water in the pitcher, it doesn't take much. Let me see if I can do one finger. Ooh, I could do one finger. Ooh, I could do press-ups and all that kind of stuff right here. Multi-purpose sermon. You can hold an empty pitcher with just a finger. But this man's pitcher was so full that it had to be put up here on the shoulder. It had to be carried. It it had some weight to it. You couldn't just hold it up with a bunch of fingers. You had to put it up and hold it up with both hands. What is water? Two things, water represents the word and the spirit. So I got a question for you people. What's in your pitcher? How full is your pitcher? How empty is your pitcher? And let me tell you, when your pitcher is like this, because see, I'm talking to you. Hey girl, how you doing? You can do all kinds of stuff and be distracted when your pitcher is empty. I like your mask. Oh, that's, that's really fly. I can hold an empty pitcher and be so distracted by life. But when I have a full pitcher, come on, and I'm trying to get somewhere, I can't see your mask. I don't care whether it's cute or not because I've got somewhere to go with my pitcher full of the word, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the mandate of God. I'm going somewhere. I don't have time to be distracted by you. Oh, I know what this is like in the natural. See, when I went to high school, went to high school in Ghana, Wesley Girls High School, give y'all a shout out. And unfortunately, there were times we had no water and the school was up on a hill. And you'd have to go all the way down to the bottom of the hill to fill up a bucket of water and climb all the way back up the hill. Now, when you're going down the hill, oh, you can say hi to people. (laughs) When you're going down the hill, oh, there's no problem. You can just stop and you do all kinds. But when you're coming back up the hill with a bucket full of water, oh, I'm being reminded sometimes, too, (laughs) I, I can't see you. I don't even, I don't want to talk (laughs) because I'm trying to get up the hill. I'm trying to focus so I don't spill any of this water. Come on, because I'm trying to get somewhere and I need every ounce of juice that I can get out of this bucket. I can't be distracted. I can't lose my water. I can't lose my focus. What's in your pitcher? I said I'd be real. I always am. Oh, I know what it's like. You're working, 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 and you haven't read more than five scriptures. And days have gone by. Can I tell you the truth? Um, you're empty. 
Some of us, we haven't sat to listen to a message since this pandemic started. I know I'm not talking to you. This is the wrong crowd. Y'all are the choir. I'm preaching the choir because you're on here. Let's not fool ourselves. We're empty. Oh, and some of us, we've been faithful. We tune in every time, but we're not focused. We're not paying attention. Empty. For those of us here, we're coming, we're working, we're coming, we're working, and sometimes we're not paying attention. Empty. And then we wonder why we get burnt out, because we're running on empty. What are we talking about? The word, the Holy Spirit. All we've got to do is read the word, stay in the word, let the word minister to us, spend time in the word. And we're, you know, now we're so blessed. I remember back in the day, man, I had my, my Bible, I had my new King James on one side. No, I think it was King James and this RSV. And, and you just held on to that puppy. You know, you, 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 you highlighted things because there was no search button. <laughs> there was no search button. You needed to know exactly where to turn. So I had pink, and I had the whole thing color-coded. You get your, your little bookmark so you can find the scripture. So that in a time of need, you're not empty. We, we have so much now, we have no excuse that we can get filled with the word of God and allow the word of God to, to, to change us, to help us, to drive us, to keep us. Oh, somebody ought to say amen. We, we, we have the ability to even listen to scripture and let the word of God fill us again. Amen. And then the Holy Spirit, prayer, prayer. And same thing. I've been there too. You call into that prayer line, but you mute, and you know, sometimes we unmute, we can hear the pots clanking. <laughs> or, or in my house, you might hear, hear Jesse, you know, we're, we're distracted and we're not focused in. We're not allowing the Spirit of God to fill us. And there are different kinds of praying in tongues. There's that praying in tongues we do, you know, you've been there, ready, you ready, ready? When you're crying and upset, <laughs> and we pray, and it's a good prayer. Don't get me wrong, it's a good, some good tongues. I've been there a lot. And then there's the warfare kind. Hey, we're going to break down walls, we're going to get the devil out. But there's also an element of tongues that's fellowship. When's the last time we did that? Just fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. And allowing the Spirit of God to fill us. Allowing the Spirit of God to change us. The busyness of life, even the busyness of this season, is trying to empty us. Can I find some people who are going to get filled up? In this Passover season, can you get filled up? Can you get filled up to the point that when you're walking around, you're just ready to bless somebody because you got a word in your heart? Come on. The word is just bubbling inside of your spirit. You're just looking for somebody to bless. You can even get on Facebook and you're looking for people to bless. You might be on the Zoom meeting, but you're looking for people to bless. I was asking Pastor Fee, if I'm on the Zoom meeting and I put the cursor on somebody, is that, is that like laying hands on them? Or I'm always looking for people to bless. I'm going to put my cursor up on your picture and I'm going to pray for you because I'm full of the word. I don't need you to give me audience, but I will pray for you. When we're full, we are useful to the Lord. Amen. And the last one, he said to them, Let's read that verse again, because I just love it so much. Let's just go back to that verse 10. And he said to them, behold, 
When you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Follow him. And I, I bet you think I'm just going to talk about follow him. But I'm going to say two things. Number one, who are you following? Number two, who's following you? So uh, it's not just all about finding that man. I'm going to follow him. And somebody's following you. Yeah, this is easy. You're FBI, but the FBI is on your tail too. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to follow somebody, but somebody else is following you. I said a couple of years ago, I think, Pastor Vashti, where I started telling my spiritual daughters, I, I'm a grandma right now. I am not mothering anybody who doesn't have a child themselves. It, it's a time that we recognize that there are people following us. And some of them, you may not even be aware that they're following you. You may not even be aware that they're watching you. But, but if you are walking full, then it doesn't even matter whether you're aware or not. They're going to get something good out of you. Something great is going to come out of your well that's going to bless them. But when we're unaware of the people who are following us, then we live anyhow. So you don't let this social media lifestyle confuse you where you're thinking about how many followers you have on Twitter. You, you all got a million likes already. Somebody say amen. You already got a million followers. You don't need Twitter to prove that to you. People are watching you. If nothing at all, the devil and all his legions are trying to figure you out. I got followers. I don't need Twitter. I just need to carry my picture. I just need to carry the assignment that God has given me. I just have to pursue what God has given me. So I don't care what situation you find yourself in. You might be a leader, a mentor, a coach, whatever dimension you're in, make sure you are followable. Come on. And then those people who you are following, some of them, you might might need to do an HS uh, uh, quiz on them. You know what an HS quiz is? That's a Holy Spirit quiz. So you got to check them out. You've got to check them out. You've got to know what you're following them for. See, all too often we confuse the picture. There's a lot the church can learn from the world. But if everything we're learning is based on the world's pattern, that's wrong. Kingdom, we're supposed to be the influencers. We're supposed to set that pathway and then the world looks at us, okay? So, so we can't just switch all of a sudden because I'm being coached by this person, coached by that person, and yet we're not looking for the Holy Spirit dimension. You've got to know who you're following and why. I have people from other religions that I learn from. Oh, yeah. I have people from other religions who I learn from who mentor me in certain specific dimensions of my life, and I understand the boundaries thereof. When you don't understand the boundaries, then they get blurred. And all of a sudden, is that another brother out there carrying a picture? And now you're following all kinds of things that were not God-ordained. Who are you following? But more importantly, who's following you? Who's following you? The leadership of House of Worship, we have determined to be a leadership that is worth following. Somebody ought to say amen to that one. We are determined to be a leadership that is walking in integrity, that is walking in holiness, in righteousness, a leadership that is following the king. So then you can afford to follow us because we're following Jesus. But we can't excuse ourselves and say, well, oh, the pastor has to be perfect, but it's okay for me to fight. No, it doesn't work that way. We're all going towards the king. We're all going towards Jesus. Everything they were doing was going towards that perfect will of Jesus Christ to eat this Passover. 
before his own sacrifice. What have we talked about today? We've talked about a man. We've talked about maturity. We've talked about the vessel he was carrying and that vessel being himself. We talked about us carrying ourselves as vessels of God. We've talked about being full of water, being full of the word, being full of the Holy Spirit. And finally, we've also talked about following who's following you and who are you following. Listen, I have one more thought before I turn it over to Pastor Fifi. And, and, and this thought is from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'll ask it again. You enjoying yourself? Yeah. All right. Online folks, are you enjoying yourself? Can someone type in the chat, I'm enjoying myself, I'm enjoying myself. I need to see at least 20 of those I'm enjoying myself or I won't be invited back to preach. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice. Jesus Christ became the lamb. Jesus Christ went ahead of all of us, volunteered himself, gave his life up for us. You know, one of the things I keep thinking about now, particularly, you know, with the vaccine and all that stuff, I don't know why, I can't stop thinking about the over 200,000 people who participated in trials. You know, there's so many of us, yeah, I'm not gonna do it, I don't wanna be a guinea pig, but there are 200,000, over 200,000 people worldwide who said, give it to me so we can see if this vaccine works. They put their lives on the line. They put their own lives at risk when we didn't even know if this thing would be, you know, what was gonna happen. Sacrifice is about putting ourselves on the line. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. And this scripture reminds us, be imitators. Be imitators. What am I asking us to do? I'm asking us to make a sacrifice. If there was ever a prophetic time, if there was ever a prophetic week, if there was ever a prophetic season for giving a sacrificial offering, it's this week. It's this week, it's this time. And, 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 and I'm not saying things to you that I'm gonna excuse myself of. I wrote my check and everything and driving over here, the Holy Spirit said, uh, yeah, that's a nice offering, but it's not a sacrifice, simple. Get out your pen, get out your checkbook. You got to write another one. Sacrifice. He gave himself for a sweet smelling aroma. See, when we give, Oh, yes, it is true that it is given back to us in measures that are pressed down, shaken together and running over. But in this time when we give, we're connecting with Jesus' sacrifice. We're connecting with the divine anointing of Passover. And remember what that anointing does for us? It gets us out of Egypt. Come on. It secures our freedom. It takes us out of bondage. Can I challenge someone to give a sacrificial offering today? Can I challenge someone who's already given to give again? And when you've done that, can you go into that chat and say, I have sacrificed, I have sacrificed, I have sacrificed. I have connected with this divine season. I've connected with Passover. I'm gonna ask Pastor Fee to come on up and just remind us, 
You know, Pastor Fee has been telling us for a while back about the ransom. And as I think about this offering, I'm also thinking about the ransom. I'm thinking about the price. I'm thinking about a, a sacrifice that would say to God, this here is my appreciation. That despite everything that has happened all over the world, I'm still here. Here's my appreciation. This is my offering for a ransom. Amen? So can I call on us just, when you're done giving, can you just stand on your feet um, as Pastor Fee comes up? And, and I just want to remind us the anointing of Passover in overcoming death and coming into life. Somebody make that confession and say, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. Listen, you might want to even take that branch for, for half a minute. You know, I'm reminded in the story, they were going up and they were saying their hosannas. And when you look in the scripture, it talks about how they get to a certain point and they began to remember all the things God had done. They began to remember all the miracles. They began to remember everything that had happened and a different kind of praise took over their mouths. I'm praying that a different praise will take over your mouth today as you become more aware of everything that Jesus has done for you. You're escaping bondage, coming into freedom, leaving destruction, and coming into destiny. And I'm waiting for Pastor Peter to come on up, and then I'm going to move away. See, I'm, I'm fortunate. I can get close to my pastor. I don't have to socially distance from my pastor. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and were blessed by it. For more information, visit us at our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.